Welcome to The Arms Race, the podcast where we try and determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching each and every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, released by Universal Pictures on February 21st, 1992, starring Sylvester Stallone, Estelle Getty, Joe Beth Williams, Roger Rees, Martin Ferrero, and Gallard Sartain. I should have looked at that beforehand. Galliard Sartain, written by Blake Snyder, William Osborne, and William Davies, directed by Roger Spottiswood. Did this movie really need three writers? Um, I, it seems like most of the time that's the problem. <laughs> this was uh, supposed to be, I think, Arnold's follow-up to Kindergarten Cop. I don't know if you know that backstory. So I saw that, and I saw that he Arnold somehow in their rivalry was able to bait Sylvester Stallone into being interested in this movie. Yeah, he faked to he's faked interest, <laughs> even though he knew it was terrible. Um, but anyway, I, I seem to remember Kindergarten Cop having like five writers, and you know, it's like these movies always have way too many writers. So it seems pretty typical for this type of lazy comedy. Should I apologize again <clears throat> since this was my pick? Yes. Okay, I'll do that, and uh, I'll just say right at the start, why don't you let us know what you think of Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and tell us on Twitter at Arms Race Podcast. It's, it's not like there's any, you know, there's a pretty solid consensus about Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. This is the first time I'd ever actually sat down and watched it. I don't know about you. I think it is. Yeah. I think I might have just seen the trailer a bunch of times. Yeah, and I feel like I've seen scenes or something. Like, I, I was vaguely aware that his mom washes his gun with, like, soap and water, and yeah. I, that's the thing that I just knew. But honestly, well, I, I, there's two sides to this. Number one, if I did see it before and forgot, I wouldn't be surprised because there's just nothing to latch on to in this movie. No. There's not, nothing really all that memorable. And yet, I feel like this movie has such a reputation for being one of the worst movies ever. I don't even think it's the worst movie we've watched this season. <laughs> I, so what would you put worse than this? Escape Plan 2, I think, oh, is worse than, than Stop or My Wait Mom a minute. Isn't there at least a few memorable things about Escape Plan 2? I'm trailing off. Maybe not. <laughs> I, well, uh, at least in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, there's one scene that I enjoyed, and that's one more than in Escape Plan 2. So I think Escape Plan 2 is a worse movie. <laughs> I've picked both of those. You You're have. so mad at me. And uh, Tango and Cash, which is fine. Like I, I enjoyed it up to a point. Tango and Cash. There's a lot of fun in that movie. Come oh, on. I agree. Okay. I, I gave it a much better uh, rating than you did. I'm just saying that the, all three of them are really kind of shaky. They're, they're, none of them are well-made movies. Are you that saying way. that I'm just picking duds? I mean, this season you are. I mean, all right. <laughs> look, <laughs> we have we have the choices that we have. You know, and I think Stallone has acknowledged he's made a lot of bad movies. <laughs> I think he has said that Stop or My Mom Will Shoot was the worst movie. Yeah. He, he feels it's the worst movie he ever made. But he said that before he made Escape Plan 2. <laughs> that is so, true. I'm just saying. I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about that just briefly and not spend too much time. Because I did read that, and you already alluded to it. You don't think it's even the worst movie of the season. I don't think this movie is that bad. It's not a good movie, but I was ex I was expecting, if I hadn't seen it before, and I don't remember it, something to be truly just awful, unwatchable. It's it's un unmemorable. There's nothing really that funny, but it's not terrible either. Yeah. It's, you can't get angry at it. It's inoffensive. It's just like bland. You know, it's a sitcom movie. It's yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. it yeah. It's like taking Sophia <laughs> from the Golden Girls yes. and partnering up with Sylvester Stallone. As a premise, you can see why they thought this would be funny. 
but then they didn't do anything with the premise. Yeah. I think the, the execution. It seems like, yeah, right. they're just like, ah, this premise is enough. This is funny in and of itself. We don't need to write jokes. <laughs> the jokes write themselves. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, they didn't even write themselves. They just, they just trusted that the audience would find this, the idea of Estelle Getty riding around in a police car hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, well, with that, I thought her filmography was way deeper. When, when I went and looked it up, I'm like, she didn't do that much. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I think she's mostly was a television actress. I mean, yeah, that, that's back it, when they were, there was much more of a distinction. It was maybe it's just up. because I, you know, loved the movie Mannequin when, when we were younger and she has a prominent role in that. I thought she was, you know, really big in the 80s and she doesn't have that deep of a filmography. I was okay. surprised by that. I didn't know she was in Mannequin. This oh, yeah. She's me. the department store owner in Mannequin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I've brought that, this up on this podcast too many times. I, I still am. I bet you I still would enjoy watching Mannequin. Okay. And you give me a hard time for liking uh, the Golden Girls when you've got your own oh, Estelle Getty the movie. That's that- true, but Mannequin's one movie. The Golden Girls, that's a big time commitment if you've seen, <laughs> even if you've only seen half of the episodes. I doubt I've even seen half. Also, I was 10. Okay. So, <laughs> All right, are we, are we ready to just get into this thing? All right. What day is it? What year? All right, so the history, it is February 21st, 1992. So this movie somehow had a $45 million budget. I'm going to guess most of that was Sylvester Stallone because yeah. I'm not sure where else the money went. Yeah. I think around this time he was probably getting like $15 million a movie or something like that. So, yeah, that's a good chunk of it. That had to be it. Uh, so it did $28,411,210 domestic and just over $42 million in foreign box office for a total of uh, just over $70,600,000. So it did way better than I would have ever imagined. Yeah, respectable. Fairly I mean, respectable. This is kind of Stallone's junior, and I'll bet junior didn't do that well. No, I don't remember the numbers, but they, they had to have been worse. Yeah, than I'm sure they were worse. All right, so it's opening week. It did not open at number one. Uh, the number one movie in America in its second week was Wayne's World. Okay, wow, that came out in February. I wouldn't yeah. have thought. I wouldn't have guessed that either. February is very much the dumping grounds, as evidenced by this, that's when <laughs> Stop from a Mammal Shoot came out. Yes. I didn't realize uh, Wayne's World came out in February. Uh, I didn't either, so that was its second week. Uh, <laughs> When's the last time you watched Wayne's World? Not to get on a tangent about Wayne's it's World. It's been a long, long time. Here's how I knew I was getting old. I watched Wayne's World maybe a year or two ago, and I found myself rooting for Rob Lowe. <laughs> I fully was on Rob Lowe's side of the entire movie. I'm going like, your whole dream is to make this TV show and get paid for it. And Rob Lowe came around and your whole dream came true. And it's because of Rob Lowe. I'm so glad we did this episode just for that. I now, I think I still own it. I have so many DVDs that I haven't cleared out. 100%, I guarantee you will feel the same way. Just knowing you and just, yeah, you, know, now, I think you and I have a similar, I, I, I think you will feel the same way. I want to go watch it and see. I bet you you're right. The whole crux of their, like, well, obviously there's also so like the, the Tia Carrera. Yeah, yeah, there's a love triangle, which is that's a different thing. But that's also like he's not pushing it as hard as you remember. The whole thing of like Wayne's like, I don't sell out and I'm going to advertise. It's like, what did you think? If you wanted to get paid to do a TV show, what Where's did you think you would have to do? From? I mean, granted, yes, they're making you advertise on the very first segment of your professional the version of your show with Noah's Arcade. <laughs> Noah's Arcade was awesome. But, you know, have the conversation and say, okay, I'll do the, you know, let's let's talk about options. Right. I don't want to advertise in our first segment, but, you know, right. he doesn't even engage. He just like no. petulantly insults the sponsor. <laughs> Drawing on the cards. It's Brian like, Doyle Murray. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's cool. It's hip. It's Noah's Arcade. 
Um, anyway, I'll, I'll drop I, it. But- I now, I, I'm glad we did the episode. I need to go and watch Wayne's World to see if... I'm sure you're right that I'm rooting for Rob Lowe. He makes Wayne's all his dreams come true. He talks about the beginning of the movie. All he wants to do is do Wayne's world for a living. And then Rob Lowe comes along and makes it happen. And Wayne is so ungrateful. Moving Uh, on. Thank you for making my night. Uh, The rest of the top ten, fried green tomatoes. Man, this this lineup. Uh, February is not a month for movies, clearly. Uh, Medicine Man. Have you ever seen that with Sean Connery? No, never seen it. Yeah, I haven't either. That seems to be like one of the ones that I remember of being a kind of Sean Connery bust. I just, I don't, I don't, I never saw it, so I don't know. Yeah, I think so. He was having kind of a renaissance at this point. This is a couple years after Last Crusade and uh, Hunt for Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Then I'm starting a final analysis. Don't even know what it was. Beauty and the Beast. That, man, that just, that was in its 15th week and it was still in the top 10. Wow. Wow. That was a powerhouse. So that must have been, yeah, a rollover from the holidays. Uh, the Great Mouse Detective, Radio Flyer, and Bugsy. So I decided to go back into the uh, the archives, actually having listened to the Tango and Cash episode recently, and I decided to poll 1992 PG-13 movies. Do you want to guess what the number one PG-13 movie was in 1992? Was Speed that year? No, but That's there a was years later. a Michael Keaton movie. Oh, Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Number two was Wayne's World, actually. Okay. Uh, what did Wayne's World do? Wayne's World did $121 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that was a huge hit. That Why is, is that PG-13? I would have thought that would be PG. I don't know. if Maybe language. Language could be the only thing in there. Huh. Uh, notable on here, actually, Medicine Man did way better than I thought. It was uh, number seven. It did $45 million. Okay. Sneakers is a, uh, a, I don't know, have you seen it with Aykroyd and Sidney Poitier and River Phoenix, actually? I saw it for the first time recently, and I didn't like it that much. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was always a big fan of it. Yeah, I've, I've, a lot of people our age that always like raved about it, and I, yeah. I had never seen it. Well, that's all right. I think it just hasn't aged well. That may be. I've not seen it in a long time. Believe it or not, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot fell in the top 10 of PG-13 movies with its $28 million box office gross. That's not nothing. Uh, It is not. So on the TV front, 60 Minutes is the number one show in America. Running down, we had Roseanne, of course, Home Improvement, Murphy Brown, Murder, She Wrote. Here's one that hasn't come up, I don't think, in any of the episodes we've done recently. Coach was in the, the top 10. No, I don't think we've ever talked about Coach. Coach Hayden Fry. I don't remember much about that show. Sort of like you and Golden Girls, my mom watched that, so I actually saw a lot of Coach. I, I don't have fond memories of it, but I remember enough of it. I remember watching it. I just don't remember a thing about it. All right. I, I remember he wound up on like an expansion NFL team or CFL team by the end. He <laughs> really? wasn't a college coach anymore. No. The whole show like changed its its premise. Like, well, he somehow or was became, that how it ended. No, that was like no. It was like the final season or two seasons. He was like a pro coach. He wasn't a uh, college coach anymore. Of course, he brought his whole coaching staff. It's like, yeah, of course, right, whatever. Uh, Monday Night Football is number seven. The CBS Sunday Movie Cheers is hanging around just in the top ten. And Full House rounds out the top ten. On the history front, there actually was a lot of history. So. This will take up more of the episode, which is probably good, because Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is not something we want to talk about. The S&P 500 was at 4.12.56. On February 1st, George H.W. Bush and Boris Yeltsin meet at Camp David to officially declare the Cold War over. Done. Didn't we already have that news in 1990? I thought this already happened. Maybe they didn't meet at Camp David. Maybe they needed, like, the official meeting. I swear you... Gave a news report saying that Bush and Gorbachev declared the Cold War over in 1989. No, but, oh, was Bush and Gorbachev. Now Boris needed some oh, credit. I, yeah, it's, it seems like Boris came along and did it again. Fair enough. 
On February 2nd, the IRS and Willie Nelson settle up on his tax bill. His tax bill allegedly was $16.7 million. He settled it for $9 million. Okay. Uh, February 4th, Hugo Chavez led an unsuccessful coup in Venezuela. He eventually seemed to have won down there. Sure. I don't know it one year. Persistence is something, something. That's right. Whatever the phrase is. On February 5th, jury selection began in the Rodney King beating case. February 8th, the Winter Olympics opened in Albertville, France, and it is not the Nancy and Tanya Harding. For whatever reason, they then flipped and changed, and the Winter Olympics then came about 94. again in 94 because yeah, yeah, yeah. they did it two years later, and that's what gave Tanya Harding another actual opportunity to, to compete at the right. Olympics. I actually had forgotten about this. February 10th, Mike Tyson is convicted of rape of Desiree Washington. Somehow, like, Mike Tyson, that that, that has somehow, like, faded into the... Yeah. I, the hangover seemed to have, like, washed his soul in some way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people have short memories. And, that, and, and, and the, I'm guilty of it, too. Yeah. I forgot about it. I, 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 there was that Mike Tyson HBO movie. Have you ever seen that? That's, no. that's why I think I, I remember it. Was it a prominent because part? It was a big part of that movie. Okay. Yeah, that's mostly what that movie's about. Okay. On February 13th, another sports star with some, uh, some of his own troubles. Jose Canseco rams his Porsche into his wife's BMW repeatedly. <laughs> On February 15th, Jeffrey Dahmer is found sane and then subsequently guilty in the murder of 15 uh, boys. Well, this is just some feel-good news here. None oh, of the news is ever feel-good. <laughs> I know, but still. I guess the Cold War ended. Yes. Well, here we got uh, On February 20th, Ross Perot announces on Larry King that he will run for President of the United States. Okay. February 27th, Tiger Woods became the youngest PGA golfer uh, in the previous 35 years, which was surprising to me that there was one as young as him. He was 16 years old when he joined the PGA. Okay. Rounding out the history, the New York Times bestseller by Dean Koontz, Hideaway. Can't even imagine how many books that guy cranked out. And the uh, Billboard 100. Are you ready for it? 92. Right? My, oh, it was a right said Fred. Yeah, okay. I'm you know, too had, sexy. All you had to do was say right. <laughs> I was trying to think of like, oh, that might be like a, a grunge band. It could be like Soundgarden or, or Nirvana or somebody. Nope. So I Of looked. course it's right said Fred. Is it just as, I always talk about this. Like You go to the 70s and it's like Captain and Tennille or whatever. Hold it's on, never though. the like, Pink Floyds of the world. It is not the Pink Floyds, but later on I looked to see if there was anybody better. In July, if this movie had come out, somebody who you, I believe, saw perform with Alice in Chains in Seattle had the Billboard 100. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I like big butts. What's his baby name? got back with Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yeah, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Sir Mix-a-Lot. I, was, I was drawing a blank on both the song and his name. That is awesome. Yes. Uh, he was so, good. He was good live. I, he, I was jealous when I heard that you guys were seeing Sir Mix-a-Lot live. <laughs> we didn't, that wasn't why we went to that. <laughs> That's what made him show. But yeah, oh, Sir Mix-a-Lot is playing at this benefit, apparently. Yeah. All right. So that was uh, what was going on in history in February of 92. That was a lot of history for sure. Yes. All right. Let's move on to the big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. Let's try and talk about this movie as reluctant as we are to do it. Uh, and how much, you know, how much plot is there really in this movie to talk about anyway? Oh, this is the segment where we discuss the plot of the movie. I'm yeah. not sure how much there is to talk about. Well, that's part of the problem is there isn't enough plot because it's just like the premise of the movie being he's a cop and he's on the case and his mother's tagging along, you know, which again, is theoretically there's some comedic potential there, but the police plot is so kind uh, of thin yeah it's very thin i mean essentially there's there's two kind of channels going on it's sylvester stallone as frank something what's his name 
I don't know his character's name. <laughs> Mike made a face that says uh, he doesn't know either. It doesn't matter. Hold on. It'll come to me. I know his mom's name is Tootie. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed Tootie being... Oh, Joey. Joey. His name's Joe. Joey, okay. Yeah. Is it Tootie? Yeah, I thought so. Is it Tootie? Or is it, it can't be pronounced Tootie. I thought it was Tootie. But it's either Tootie or Tootsie. I don't it's not to- I don't think Tootie is a name. It's got to be Tootie. Anyway. Just go. <laughs> I'm not trying to correct you. I just don't think that's a name. Well, it's a name in Goodfellas. Why couldn't it be? Who's Tootie in Goodfellas? Uh, maybe it's a name. Maybe, maybe I I'm think wrong. Either way. Joey? <laughs> Joey. Okay, yes. He's on... Well, he's not even on the case. He just happens to get involved because his mother gets involved of some, like, gun-running, yeah. like, some businessman committed fraud and burned down a warehouse full of guns so that he could sell them on the black market or something. Right? Do I have that right? So the concept is, which is laughable to me, a savings and loan executive who is also the... I knew that he was up to no good because he's the villain in If Looks Could Kill, which I have not gone back and rewatched If Looks Could Kill. Oh, I forgot he was in that. See, I know him from Robin Hood Men in Tights. He's the sheriff of Rottingham. <laughs> I think we've discussed this before. I don't know that movie, but I know If Looks Could Kill. You've never seen the... I've that? never seen Robin Hood no, Men in Tights. He's the sheriff of Rottingham. All right. Which, by the way, is a, I was thinking about this as I was like, oh, it's the sheriff of Rottingham. Then I realized, like, what a terrible joke. Like, Mel Brooks, <laughs> Rottingham. It's not Nottingham. It's Rottingham. Get it? Like a Food is rotting. What a stupid pun that is. <laughs> Mel Brooks, the giant of comedy, <laughs> sheriff of Rottingham. Anyway, yeah, that's that's what I know him from. So he is a uh, in charge of a savings and loan, and they made a loan apparently on this warehouse. So he's he's oh, so they don't even own that warehouse. I don't think so. I think they made a loan on the warehouse, and they're effectively like either foreclosed on it or something. But they collect. I think it's double fraud. They burn it down for the insurance, but then also are trying to sell a gun. So the insurance gets you some money, but probably you can get even more with the gu- the illegal guns that were there. Okay. See, I thought the fire was just to cover the fact that the guns disappeared. Like, oh, they burned up in the fire, and then they can go. Oh, and I sell. think that was the primary, but I think he also collected on the insurance money. Okay. But whatever. So yes, that's for them to then run the guns, and somehow. Just some random guys are able to steal a crate, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the bad guys commit fraud to steal the guns from the warehouse, and then some other guys come and steal the guns from them. Yeah. Just, just a portion, though. Just a, not all of them. Right, not all of them. And then Joey's mom, Tootsie. Yeah, Tootie. Jo- Joey's, Joey's an L.A. cop. Yeah. And she, she comes to visit him. Comes mom. to visit him, and the way she witnesses a murder... Because she's buying him a gun off the back of the truck from these two guys that have stolen them. Yeah. Well, she ruined his gun by cleaning it with soap and water and Clorox or whatever. Was that the dumbest joke in the movie? <laughs> it sidesteps the joke because it's, it's like, okay, let's say, let's say you want to do that joke. She's, she shows up and she's like, oh, what a mess. This gun is so grimy. And she cleans the gun with the cleaning products soap and water and then but then she tells him that she did it and he's like ma if i would use this gun i would have it would have blown up my hand it's like well gee that sounds like a funny idea for a scene (laughs) could have happened it's like they don't actually pay off the joke this movie is nothing but that it's all it's all setups and no punchlines because it's just like here's a theoretically funny premise we're not actually going to do it though we're not going to take it to its logical conclusion because So, so what you're saying is having luggage filled with canned pineapple is not a funny joke 
Right. That seems like set up for a joke later on. Like, oh, this is going to come back in some hilarious way. No, <laughs> that's the joke. That's, that's, that's the joke. That's the entirety of the joke. She brought canned pineapple from the East Coast. She's like, we got canned pineapple here. No, it doesn't taste the same. Like, what? Not only that, I have this in my notes. You're in California. You have real fresh, pineapple. Fresh pineapple. You have fresh pineapple yeah, that's, in California. That's what he should have said. Yes, he's saying we've got canned pineapple right. here. You've got fresh pineapple. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so she witnesses the murder, and then effectively the rest of the movie is him trying to keep her away from the case and her making her way back and them being partners. Yeah, that's the one track of the story is the cop story, which yeah. is nebulous and unclear. And then you've got the kind of romance, the romantic comedy piece with his, the lieutenant. Kind of sexual harassment, too, really. He's, he's committing sexual no, harassment? No, the, the, it's actually the reverse. She's in a, a position of power. Well, that's definitely true. They should not have a relationship. I mean, they're oh. trying to hide it from the... Here's, here's why I guess <laughs> I didn't they're think... They're very of it. thinly trying to hide well, it. Oh, yeah, obviously everyone knows. Um, here's, I guess, why I didn't think of it in those terms, in terms of sexual harassment, which you're right, it is. But she's so uninterested in any of the police business going on in this precinct <laughs> that it didn't even seem like she was his boss. I mean, you're told that she is, and you know logically, yes, she is, but he comes in with a suspect... Like, I captured the suspect. I'm going to interrogate him. I've got a lead on the case. And she's like, who cares about that? These flowers you brought me. It's like, wait, have, you're, the, you're in charge of this you're precinct. You're commanding <laughs> officer. <laughs> there's a murderer in your precinct, and you don't care that there's progress in this case. She doesn't care about any of it. That, that place is a zoo. She is a terrible boss. <laughs> it's Thunderdome. The, the sexual harassment part of it didn't bother me because I was just so bothered by her, her. depiction. And just like, she's, she's, they shouldn't have even made her the, the lieutenant there. <laughs> why Why even have that aspect of it? She's not involved in the police side of the plot at all. Well, not until the very end. They make a big bus there at the airport. Does she show up there? Yeah, they're both there. Oh, I don't even remember her being there. Yeah, the they're, they're both there. That's absurd, too, but whatever. We'll, we'll get to there. So, and uh, honestly, I mean, how much more is there to talk about the plot? That's basically it. Yeah, that's basically it. I mean... It's so thin. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's... Yeah, <laughs> that is it. I'm trying, I'm, I, that really is it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, there must be something we're forgetting. I mean, you've got a little bit, there's some animosity between him and one of the other detectives, but even that is a, just goes nowhere. Right, because that detective, the other detective is really his case. Yeah. And uh, Joe's mom decides the way to advance his career is to <laughs> withhold evidence <laughs> to commit obstruction of justice. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the, that guy any of the stuff I know. I'm only going to tell you. Oh, that is a great way to put it, Mom. The only way I can help advance your career is by obstruction of justice. Everything is a is a conflict of interest. All, all these characters are behaving. No character believe, uh, behaves like a human being. Yeah, um, and I mean, it, his mom. So much of it is just what planet is she from? That, right. Uh, for I mean, for some of the things that she does, honestly, that she's going and buying a, a machine gun off of a truck. She, I mean, honestly, what planet is she from? Yeah, it's not clear if she's just, like, naive or... They didn't pick any extreme. They could have gone, you know, Stallone is the toughest cop on the force, and she's showing up in embarrassing... Like, imagine Dirty Harry's mom showing up and be like, oh, look at the baby pictures. And it's like, there's... You know, you can see how that'd be funny. Mom, stop it, you know. That's not quite what it is, because he doesn't seem like he's that great of a cop. He's certainly not, like, the super cop cliche. Yeah, he's not Ray Tango. No, he just seems like a guy, and he doesn't even seem like... 
because part of the story is that his mom's upset that his career isn't really going anywhere. He's like, oh, I'm happy being a sergeant. Like, he's not ambitious. He's not like this, like, go get him cop. No. He's just a, a, a flat foot <laughs> just going around, well, like, doing a, whatever. Yeah, that's the thing is that his mom wants all this stuff. He's happy with his life. <laughs> right. He's paying his bills. I but it's like leave him alone, mom. But, but that's the other way they could have they could have gone the other extreme. And she's like, he's kind of a schlubby, not all that competent cop because the movie doesn't commit in either direction. He's, he's not that either. He's just kind of like a middle of the road. He has no real defining characteristics. If they'd gone that direction, where it's like he's just he's happy being kind of he's content not having this ambition he's just gonna be a sergeant and then retire or whatever and she comes in and she's like the super cop of just like i'm a tough old sicilian lady and i came up you know i had a rough life and you're so soft and i'm gonna like if she was like hilariously tough like way tougher than him that's a way to go and it would make sense there if she's going and buying a guns but i bought you a real gun buddy like you're not even you know like i mean it should have been a magnum they should have done the dirty harry joke of like He's got a little, like, police-issue revolver, and she goes out and buys him a Magnum, like, you're not going to get anywhere with that gun. I'm going to buy you a real gun. You know, there's a way to make this funny. There are different avenues you could take this in. They but, just chose to do none of them. Right, because it's like everything's so middle of the road. This whole movie is is just trying to play to the middle, to the lowest common denominator in every scene. But, yeah, it's like her character isn't defined enough to explain why is she buying this gun I mean, I mean, the plot explains it. She's replacing the gun that she ruined. I guess. But she didn't seem to even really feel bad that she ruined his gun, like, no, or even acknowledge that she did it. She's buying it off a truck. I mean, she, she lived in Jersey. She, a, a real thought-out character and human being would have known you don't buy machine guns off a truck, but whatever. But the, that could have been the joke of just, like, she, she's a rube. She doesn't know what she is. She's so, you know... Sheltered? Yeah. I guess. That could have been the joke of just like, I'm a sweet old lady and what do I know about guns? But that didn't seem to be the joke either because she knows where she's perfectly comfortable in that gun store. Like, show me that one. Show me that one. It's like, which which way are you going with this yeah. movie? Like, I don't know what's funny about this. None of it is. That's the problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I think that covers the plot. You ready to talk technology? <laughs> are we moving that fast? Yeah, let's I feel do like it. there's, well, well, we'll talk about stuff in little details. Yeah. But for now, technology. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? So this is the segment where we discuss what uh, technological changes uh, have occurred that might alter the plot or key aspects of the movie since, in this case, 1992. I had a couple. What would you come up with? First things first, I just want to mention that I think this movie invented the idea of ghosting. Because, you know, nowadays you, you can send people texts and they don't get back to you. Yeah. It's like it's the thing that is commonplace now. And yeah, Stallone's uh, Estelle Getty's character totally ghosts him at the beginning where he's trying to call her oh, and, and be like, <laughs> it's not a good time and she won't answer the phone. Oh. So that's why I think nowadays he'd be texting her and then she would be totally ignoring his texts and then she'd show up and be like, I'm an old lady. I don't know about texts. You just pretend that she didn't see them, Man. like fake that she's like a dumb old lady where that's a good, she was intentionally ghosting him. That's a good catch. I didn't think about that yeah, one. That's Estelle good. Getty invented ghosting. I like it. All right. So my first one was uh, actually the Dole pineapple chunks. Much, much easier today. She would just Amazon those things, send them right to him. No need to fill up your luggage. One, you wouldn't be able to get your luggage on the plane with that much weight. But let's just put that aside. Sure. Uh, she would just go ahead. The joke isn't funny anyway of those pineapple chunks falling out of her brief, uh, suitcase. But she wouldn't need to. She would just Amazon them to Joey, and that's it. Do you think the package handlers treated that as a, suspic- a suspicious package? 
You know, went through the x-ray and it's like a whole suitcase full of canned pineapples. There must be some drugs in here or something. That's a, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Most <either>. likely, yes. <laughs> that should have been... See, just simple things like that take the joke to its logical conclusion. Have her being harassed at the airport when he goes to pick her up. What's going on? Oh, this lady had a suitcase full of pineapples. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's incredibly suspicious. No, that's just my mother. She likes pineapple, whatever. I don't know. What else you got? I only have one other thing, and that is... All right. All of these photos would be on Facebook today anyway, so you it's got not me. like anyone's going to care about his baby pictures or whatever. Yeah, so what I had is those, the photo albums would be unnecessary because all the pictures would already have been up in the cloud as, yes. uh, as we have to open the segment. Yeah. Totally unnecessary, and you're right. Everybody would have already seen everything. I'd say that a woman that age probably wouldn't be able to use Facebook, but that's not true anymore. Uh, no, it is. Uh, I, it isn't true, and I'm, I've been told by the 20 and unders in my family that Facebook is just for old people, so yeah, they, no. they don't use Facebook. 100%. So. But just the idea, like, in this movie, everyone's treating his baby pictures like they're the most, like, hor- like embarrassing thing. Like, ah, ha, ha, you were a baby once, you that, know? That, That's well, the old joke. Yeah, and I think I have it in here. One of them's talking about, like, how he was sexy as a baby. Yeah. Like, what is going on with this movie? What a weird moment that is. But okay. one of one of the 12 stewardesses that come off that plane, and then it's like she's just like, oh, you're the you're the one. Walking off a plane, if somebody, if I had shown the entire plane my phone of pictures of one of my kids, there's no way any of them would care enough and then be able to pick out, oh, come on. Yeah, well, and just the idea that it's not at all unusual that he had, he was wearing a diaper in his baby pictures. Oh, that diaper was so sexy. He's a baby. (laughs) Yeah, that is the weirdest moment of any movie I've seen in a long time. It's like. I guess the joke is because at this time, uh, maybe less so at this time, but you know, there was a time when Stallone was very much considered a sex symbol and it's like, but when he was a baby, he wasn't, it's like, you know, like the only way to make that joke even remotely work. And even this, I don't think would work is, is a character who knows him. Like if he's in a relationship, like the, whatever her name is, the, that he's in the relationship with played by Joe Beth Williams. Yes. Yeah. Um, we don't know any character names cause we don't care. But um, if she was just like, well, you weren't so sexy back in those pictures, you know, some kind of like offhanded, just an offhanded comment about like, you know, you think you're so hot now, yeah. but you know, you were a baby once too. Something in that context, but even that I don't think really makes a lot of sense. This idea of yeah, these stewards, they're coming off the flights <laughs> and just going out of their way. Right. To find him and talk to him. I don't know. Well, well they'd be a- one guy. I was a bedwetter too. That's at least a joke. Like. The idea, I mean, the joke is that she was telling embarrassing stories about him on the plane. Like, they're strangers. What do you care what they think of you? What <laughs> what you did as a baby? Why is that embarrassing? Especially as a baby. I mean, if you're talking about stories maybe when he was 10 or 12. Sure. That's a little bit different, but it seems most of them are baby stories. He's a baby. Yeah. And later when she's in the precinct and showing pictures and it's like, these are his co-workers. And it's like, that's more like, yeah, you can see that the has humor. context. Yeah. Who he is. Yeah. All right. So that's all I had for technology. <laughs> We're blasting through these segments. All right, let's Little details. That cardboard headstone tipped over. This graveyard is obviously phony. Man, you didn't even put any music to this one. That may be a tradition that is ending, especially for this movie. All right, so let's... What music am I going to put? There's no... All all of, like, the terrible, like, ragtime music in this movie. (laughs) This movie's an awful score. Uh, I mean, it's just... Everything about this movie is bad. So the little details, this is the segment where we discuss the minutiae that we found in the movie and f- deemed to be worthy of discussion. We'll see how much we've found in this bad well, I think this is going to be the bulk of this episode because right. there's not much to talk about in the big picture, but 
There are so many little details that are baffling or just like infuriating or whatever, at least for me. All right. Can I start with that? The movie opens with a cartoon title card. <laughs> That's my first note. Also, is the title what card. <laughs> is I mean, I should have known what. I had selected just based on that. I think that's a thing that was happening around then. There were a lot of cartoon title cards around that time. Like Christmas Vacation has a whole cartoon opening sequence. Yeah, it does. There's there's probably other movies. What else? Did Junior have one? I feel like Junior might have had one with like a stork or whatever or something. I don't think so, but no? I could be wrong. Well, here's the thing that jumped out at me. It wasn't so much the cartoon, because, yeah, there's a little cartoon of Stel Getty in the, in the logo or whatever. Yes. The thing that really bothered me is the stop sign, because it says stop in a stop sign, you know, and then it says, or my mom will shoot. This is a professional Hollywood film. That stop sign looked terrible. <laughs> this is the logo of your film. This is the first impression you're getting. And you're right. I actually can, I only watched this once, but I can envision what you're talking about. That logo looks like it was made in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> In 1992, what Microsoft Paint could do. The background is just like a drab gray gradient, right? It just like goes from like gray to white in the background. There's, there's a, a red octagon for the stop sign, but there's no detail on the sign at all. There's no white border that would, you know, like these details matter. Make it look like a stop sign. No, it's just a red octagon, plain red. There's no white border on the edge to make it look like a stop sign. You know, it could, be a, it could have been a photo of a stop sign and then put the logo in over that, you know. And then it says, or my mom will shoot with no, it's just like a very basic font. It's just, it's a hideous title card. Do you think that they wrote the title first or wrote the script first? Do you, what, what do you think oh, came the title first? came first. Yeah, it's, I think so. No too. question about it. It's not clear to me whether or not this was literally supposed to be a sequel to Kindergarten Cop, but certainly it was intended to be a follow-up to Kindergarten Cop where it's like, oh, that was a cop dealing with kids. Now let's have a cop deal with old people. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if this was originally written to be like, John Kimball's mom shows up, and it's the, basically like the sequel to Kindergarten Cop. But, you know, the premise, whether or not the title came first, definitely the premise came first. All right. A cop deals with an old lady. All right, I opened up. What do you, what do you got next? All right, so in the opening scene where uh, Stallone's character busts a ring of, like, TV, uh, whatever, they've got a truck full of Panasonic TV-VCR combos, and I looked up the model number. <laughs> Because I was curious about it. It's the Panasonic PV-M2050. Um, how much were they? I have, I have that. So TV-VCR combo, combo is a 20-inch screen. Uh, do you want to guess how much you think that would have been? TV-VCR combo, 20 inches in 1992. Or 91 when it was filmed, whatever. $150. $1,100. Are you serious? <laughs> that was a suggested uh, retail price. Man, I... That was when it was new, so I don't know when that came out actually. So maybe maybe this is an older model, but no, but whatever. Still. Even brand new, I I wouldn't have. If you gave me and told me to guess three more times, I don't know if I would have gotten over a thousand dollars. And even when it was new, it would have been a thousand. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, I know electronics top, have come down a lot. Yeah, that was top of the line at the time. Wow. Well, let me ask you this: How much do you think you can buy that for now? <laughs> Because I found that, too. Did you find it on eBay? No, it was, there's like a blue book. It's like the equivalent of Kelly Blue Book, but for electronics. It's called Orion Blue Book. Um, it's got a, it's oh, got man, a, a VCR. 20-inch uh, TV VCR. $35. $3.99. <laughs> Are you serious? Mm -hmm. <laughs> $3. Don't invest in electronics. <laughs> There's some depreciation for you over 30 years. All right, so I'm going to highlight uh, that same scene, probably the best part of the movie. 
The smartest crook out there was Ving Rhames, and I was very excited to see Ving Rhames in this movie. I was excited to see him, too, and then he never comes back. He just vanishes. Yes, he <laughs> he's like, oh, no, the cops, and he's just gone. He's out of the movie. No, I think, I think Stallone gets him with the door or something and knocks him out. No, there's a guy. Are you talking about the car door? Yeah. No, that's a different guy. There's uh, a guy sitting in the car. He smashes his hand in the car door. Um, no, Ving Rhames just bolts. He just runs away. <laughs> he never realizes, seen again. man, I got to make my way to the Tarantino pictures. I got to get out of this yeah, thing. This must have been pretty early in his career. I don't know what. Yeah, 92, because then Pulp Fiction is 94, so I don't know what he would have done in between. Yeah. I'm, I, probably some stuff. I just don't, I didn't look it up. Yeah, what movie? I, I remember seeing a very young Ving Rhames in some movie and going, oh my God, that's Ving Rhames. I don't, I don't remember what it was. Probably around this time, maybe a little earlier. Well, he he's come a long way since "Stop or My Mom Will Shoot." That's for sure. Yeah. Well, luckily he's not in enough to be remembered. <laughs> no one even remembers. His career, he's in this yes. All right. What's next? Okay. So I want to mention this because this is the third time we've seen this. Is a movie misleading the audience into thinking that he's talking to someone in a romantic way, and it turns out to be familial. Is when he's on the payphone and he's trying to call. He's like, "Oh, she won't pick up," and it's like you think the first time you watch it. Remember he's at the bar and he's like, oh, so-and-so won't, you know. They're talking about it in very vague terms, like he's there with uh, some other cop. Yeah. His partner, maybe? I forget. Or no, it's that other guy. It's not his partner. Anyway, he's calling some girl and he's like, oh, she won't pick up. And the guy's like, don't worry about it. It's like, it's fine. The movie's trying to make you think. I think the movie's trying to make you think that he's calling some love interest. Really? I think so. Okay. And But he's not. He's calling his mother. Well, so, well, okay, like, go ahead. I was going to say, this is a thing that we've seen. This is a pattern in Stallone movies is making you think he's got some relationship with a character and it turns out to be something else. I mean, in this case, it's not as blatant, but I can see where you thought that. It's similar. It's, yeah. it's you know, in the other two instances. So we got Bullet to the Head and we've got Tango and Cash. Yeah, and in both of those cases, you meet the character and you think there's some kind of romantic thing and then it's revealed that no... It's his sister or it's his daughter. No, it's, it's his mom. So. All right. It's a, it was a stretch. Yeah. But, I, but it's a thing that happens It seems a lot to be things. a recurring theme within Sylvester Stallone's career, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, the next one I have is I, I'm not completely sure. So you got a truck driver when he's, I think, driving to the airport. The guy's got a stalled big rig. And to Joey, that makes him a moron. It's like, no, the, yeah. his rig is broken down. What, what do you want him to do? Yeah, I don't understand that moment either. And then the the scene is capped off with his mother talking to the dog, being like, "Well, that was a bit exciting, or whatever." And that's just the end of the scene. It's like, what is the point of that? I don't. I mean, look, if the guy had slammed on the brakes or you know cut him off, fine. His rig is broken. I think that the movie thinks they're revealing something about his character. Of just really, like, he's high strung. He's calling this guy a moron. Like, oh. I, I don't really know what the movie's trying to say. Like, I guess the movie thinks that Stallone's character has an arc. Because, I mean, let's talk about my favorite scene in this movie. All right. Which is his dream sequence <laughs> where he's, it's revealed he's wearing a diaper. And uh, you like that scene? I think that's a funny scene. It's actually clever. It's the only moment that's actually kind of clever because <laughs> he's having this nightmare. It's like this action. It's the most action y moment in the movie because this movie really is not much of an action movie. Not. You think it's going to be an action comedy. It's like there's barely any action in this movie. Um, but it's the most action. There's a bank robbery, and it's like at first you're like, "What's going on? Why are we suddenly at this bank robbery?" And then Estelle Getty comes out of the bank robbery, and he's just like, "Oh, I, I have to change you." And it's revealed he's wearing a diaper. Stallone's wearing a diaper, <laughs> and then he just starts shooting in the air. Stop trying to change me, which is a f- <laughs> relatively clever play on words, you know? Yeah, it is. His mother wants to change him psychologically, but also she wants to change his diaper. You know, that's a double meaning. It's actually a joke. 
<laughs> that is true, but I did not think it was a good scene. <laughs> I thought it was funny. You laughed at that? I did laugh at that. The cut to him in the diaper. I mean, I felt bad for Stallone because it's obviously humiliating. It's a humiliating scene for Sylvester Stallone. You know, he's going through the same thing that his character's going through where it's like his mother is humiliating him and now here this movie is humiliating Stallone. But, you know, I laughed at Stallone's expense. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's funny. Sylvester Stallone in a diaper. So, all right. Okay. I, but I No, but to finish my thoughts, sorry. I just, just, I think this movie is trying to show that, oh, his mother coming to town has changed him for the better somehow. Because by the end, he's committed to his relationship and he's proposed to her or whatever. And that's supposed to be his mother's influence that he's willing to, like, commit or whatever. But it's so vague. I think that's what's happening. I, I, I think, think there's an arc. In theory, there's an arc to Stallone's character. And I think maybe that scene with the truck is to show that he's got problems that need to get dealt with. And his I, mother's here to help. I think you're right. But it still is a pretty big stretch on that arc. Because he... Oh, I agree. I don't think they sell it very well. It's, it's terribly written. Also, this movie is like 84 minutes long, so it's like they probably didn't have a lot to cut. <laughs> it's like, well, this, movie, this scene has no point, but we can't lose it. So I really enjoyed the breakfast that his mom lays out for him that first morning. The amount of sugar on that table for yeah. Joey is insane. How much sugar is on that table? Yeah, you've fun. got juice. You've got different types of fruit. Uh, you've got just plain sugary cereal. You've got syrup, I think, on pink. I it's I can't even imagine how many grams of sugar she's trying to pump into him. Yeah, that was relatively funny. By the standard of this movie, that's kind of a funny sequence. All right, what else you got? <laughs> you have no comment on that? No. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to mention, since we're our next episode is going to be Rocky Three, but uh, all the Leroy Neiman posters on all the walls. I think it might be the same poster over and over. You're right. I did notice that, and I forget who, which, like who it's of. It might be like Muhammad Ali or something. But it's a it's a painting of some sports figure, and it's on the wall as they come in. And there's another one in his bedroom that's like not hung up. I think you're they're, right. They're literally everywhere. So since Leroy, we're literally going to see him physically in the next movie. Him and his mustache. So I'm looking forward to the mustache because I am not familiar with that. <laughs> I think three is where Leroy even becomes most prominent in the Rocky movies. So All since right. that's the next movie, I just feel like it was worth mentioning. I'm mad here because I I have a note here that says that it might have been the only time I laughed, and I don't remember the scene. I've got a note that says, there's nothing in there. I already looked, but I can't remember what that's in. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. That's how unmemorable it is. Oh, well. There's nothing in there. I already looked. All right. What would the context be? (laughs) I have no idea. I don't remember. All right. So it might have been a a toilet. You know what it might have been? It might have been when he's got that confrontation with Detective Ross. And in he, the bathroom? Yeah, and he flushes his head, and I can't even imagine how much water must have been in that toilet, because that cop, Detective Ross comes out, he is soaked like he was in a swimming pool of water. Yeah. Did, speaking <laughs> of that men's room, did you, did you notice any of the posters in there? I do. I've written somewhere. I can find them. Because they were kind of interesting, if you ask me. Uh, I yeah, hope you noted them, but if I, not, I, I did. Oh, here they are. Okay. There, I have three that I wrote down. Yeah. One says, I think it's a photo of a cop... Oh, it's a photo of a crime scene, and it says, we don't want your business. That's, that's the one. I guess means <laughs> I, that cops don't want crimes to happen. Is that kind of that's the idea? That's what I think it is. Um, and then there's a second one. That's a, a football player holding a baby, and it says, real strength is gentle. Help stop child abuse. And then there's a third one that says, don't drink and drive, which is strange when it's in the police bathroom. That's what I... The message is for the police telling them don't drink and drive. So those, yeah, those are the 
signs in the police bathroom. All right, and then we've got we've got another Arnold reference in here. Did you get that one? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that's a vestige from when it was written for Arnold. Oh, I didn't think about that. I would suspect, but I don't know. I'll be back. Terminator say that. <laughs> yeah, that was relatively funny. I liked that scene. Although it does have the weird moment where where she threatens Estelle Getty threatens to pull down the bad guy's pants and spank him, and then oh I forgot that and then he gives them the the keys to the warehouse or whatever and she's like okay you can keep your pants on for now we're gonna go check out that warehouse oh, man. she totally says I, that I think I like got up to get some water or something during that part I do not remember that at well, all I, I have a question about that scene later but I'll save it for questions all right I only got like I think one more that's worthwhile what, what else have you no, got? I've got a lot more all right let's go let's about. hear what you got to well, say should we talk I, I mean I don't, I don't have any necessarily specific notes about it but do you want to talk about the scene with the jumper which is like the weird little self-contained uh, short film that happens in this movie. I mean, that's basically what it's the trailer. I mean, that's really what it is. And I was annoyed by it. That scene was the trailer? Oh, it's basically the whole trailer. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy threatening to jump, and he just barges his way into the scene. He's like, I'm in charge of this thing now. I'm going to go up there and talk to him. Yeah, it's very Jack Slater. Yeah, but then he goes up there, and the police just give Estelle Getty's character the bullhorn and let her talk to the guy. And then the scene ends with the suicidal guy walking back inside and being like, I thought I had it bad. And that's the whole joke of the scene. Yeah, well, because he and, was threatening to commit suicide because he had a, uh overbearing mother. Right. But it's like, uh, it's, you're, you've got it worse than me or whatever. Yeah, it's a terrible joke. Yeah, it's, it's like a five-minute scene. It's for the trailer. I'm telling you it's for the trailer. What, what was the trailer? Was it just that scene? Mostly that, that and the scene, stop, or my mom will shoot. Sure. That basically is the trailer. <laughs> and so when it, when I'm watching it, I had a note, but I skipped over it. I'm like, this is annoying. That This whole scene is in the trailer. That was the whole trailer. And then Sylvester Stallone. And then, you know, the, the movie quote guy, stop. Or my mom will shoot. Wait, he said it also? Stallone says it in the trailer, and then Nick, that guy says it too? Yes, in the trailer. Why repeat the, t- the title of the movie? I have no idea. I would think it'd be like, this summer, and then cut to Stallone, be like, stop, or my mom will shoot. And then just cut to the title card. I, I'm pretty sure it's in there. Stop, or my mom will shoot. Trying okay. to sell it as like a comedy. All right, well, I've got a bunch more. All right, let's go. What else you got? Because there's a ton of scenes we didn't talk about. There's the moment where he locks his mother in the car. and uh, Yeah, and the police tell her how to get out of a locked police car. <laughs> I enjoyed where she calls the, the, the line, and the guy's like, man, this is for official police business. She's like, no, I'm uh, Joey's mother. Oh, hi, Mrs. So-and-so. It's like a, oh, I, I love those cookies you brought in. <laughs> That was funny where the guy's like, oh, hello. A little bit. And then he proceeds, instead of sending someone, another police officer, to assist her, he tells her how to break out of a cop car? Is that what happens? I don't remember how she she That's how she gets out. He gives her instructions on how to get herself out. Okay. Well, my note was about she has like a billy club and she starts hitting the windshield. And the last time she hits it, she puts a huge crack in the windshield and then goes... Uh, this isn't going to work. It's like you just put a giant crack in it. I did miss that it's one. one of those jokes that HD doesn't uh, you know, do it favors. That's probably why I didn't get this one in HD, so maybe that's why I didn't notice it. Yeah. This this whole movie has the feel of like a one-take movie. It's like they didn't get a second take. <laughs> it's perfect. Exactly. It's perfect. There's a foot chase, and that guy just eats it running down some stairs. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> no take twos in this movie. The stain in the movie. In real life, you would have that problem every day. All right. I do want to cover my just last note. Uh, we can cover more of yours. But as annoying and absurd and awful as this movie is and loud and obnoxious, Joe's shirt 
in the in that airport sequence at the end of the movie, his shirt is the most loud. I don't know if it's Hawaiian. It is just offensively bad. Yeah. And I do not see that character or Sylvester Stallone wearing that. I was so annoyed by that. That's just like an early nineties thing. It's like really I feel like Arnold is wearing similar shirts. In Kindergarten Cop, I think, but also in like Total well, Recall. In Twins, you've got it. Yeah, yeah. Total, in twins. twins is yeah. a, what I think more than Kindergarten. I don't think in Kindergarten Cop. I think in Twins. Maybe. Yeah, I think it was it's just twins. the style at the time. That thing was loud. That was turned up to 11 for sure. Right, do you want to talk about the car chase at all? I just wasn't sure what the joke of that car. This is, again, this is like every comment for every scene. It's like, why was this funny? What's the joke? Because there's a car chase, and for some reason, Stallone's letting his mother drive. And she's like doing awesome for a while, and then she just drives into a dumpster. <laughs> I forgot a dumpster that was only full of empty boxes. Oh, sure. The, the guy picked it clean. Remember, he's like, "Oh, there's nothing in there." Oh, that's what you're talking about. That's that. That's the guy. <laughs> oh yeah, that actually. She that drives was... into the dumpster, and that's the guy saying, "Like I already looked in there." It's true. That is actually the only thing I laughed at. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> that that guy made me laugh for whatever reason. Yeah, that's it. I'm glad we solved the mystery. <laughs> Thank you for fixing that for me. <laughs> There's something nothing good in, has it's to the come way out. the guy delivered. There's nothing in there. I already looked. <laughs> I'm glad something good had to come out of this episode. We solved the mystery. We're All better right. detectives than Joe, whatever. <laughs> than Joey. Um, no, but it's just like, it seemed like the first half of that chase, it's Stallone making looks like, whoa, she's really good at this. She's actually driving and she's driving up on the sidewalk. And She's a wheel man. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of the comedy of it. It's just like, oh, she's surprisingly good at this police chase. And then she just drives into a dumpster. It's like, well, was the joke that she's good at this or the joke is she's bad at this? Like, the movie can't make up its mind. Well, it's at least consistent. <laughs> it's consistently inconsistent, yeah. yes. Uh, I have all of his rules, Joey's rules, for living in his house. Oh, what was there, five of them? Six? Well, there's more than five. All right, I have, let's get them. I have 13? <laughs> no, wait, no, 10. 10 plus an addendum. Oh, man. All right, you want to run through these real yeah, fast? let's hear them. Uh, let's just document them. Rule number one, never say you don't like the tone of my voice, young man. Rule number two, you cannot interfere with my love life ever at all. Rule number three, don't clean my house. Rule number four, don't iron my underwear. Rule number five, all the little embarrassing things that happened to me when I was a kid, you can never tell a living soul. Rule number six, you don't clean guns, you don't buy guns, you don't shoot guns. Rule number seven, no driving. Number eight, Never say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Rule number nine, the photo albums stay in Jersey. Rule number ten, sometimes, just sometimes, forget I'm your son and treat me like a human being. And then he adds later, rule number eleven, don't start out any lecture any lecture with, I know what your problem is, because I do know what my problem is, Ma. You want a hint? She's a little late, little old lady, and she's got a dog, which is a pretty long rule. Uh, it is a pretty long rule. And actually, I don't know, when you hear him, he's kind of mean in some ways to his mom. <laughs> He is. It's just I don't know who's the villain in this scenario. You know, is is he the villain or is she the villain? I think the they're movie, trying to make her out to be the villain, but I'm not sure that that's fair. She starts out being the overbearing mother, and we're supposed to sympathize with him. But then by the end, we're supposed to sympathize with her because she's helping him with his love life, et cetera, et cetera. She gives him a big after he lays out these rules. She gives him a big speech about like you got to hold on to whatever <laughs> this pablum is like hallmark card of advice, and then he goes to the office to like think, and she's there. He's got a picture of her in his desk, even though he works with her there. Why would why would he need a picture of her in his desk when he works, sees her every day? In, in particular, if they're trying to keep it secret, but whatever. 
Yeah, that's true, too. They're trying to keep the relationship secret. He's got a picture of her in his desk. He just assumes no one's going to go through this stuff. That seems like a foolish assumption. You say you have one more? No, so, that's all I had. What what other goodies do you have? I don't know if I have anything else. I'm, let me just scan through my notes, because I feel like... There's a lot of this movie we haven't talked about. I, I don't want to, like short change i mean it's too late we're 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 this episode is uh very loose and we obviously don't care to talk about it later. <laughs> uh, but the thing is is that sometimes you're you do have this concern of oh like we're not covering it enough when it's thin and there's not a lot it's not gonna be <laughs> yeah. much in the episode we still got a podcast episode to do i feel like there's a couple of things i wanted to talk about that we skipped because I, I have a lot of stuff i have a lot of notes in our in the big picture and we just skipped through big picture in like two minutes so i'm like going back and making sure there's anything i missed there's something <laughs> something happened <laughs> christ i can't find it <laughs> I, all right whatever yeah i was gonna say man i watched the same movie there is not much to this thing i mean no. you said it was 84 minutes i'm just being thorough i'm a good man and thorough I agree. Okay, let's move on. It's fine. Ready for the devil's advocate? Sure, let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. All right, this is the segment where we will pose rhetoric. well, not rhetorical, we'll pose questions to one another that we came up with while watching the movie and see if we can answer them. You want to lead off, or you want me to start off? Sure, I will lead off, right. and let's go back to the scene where Estelle Getty said, I'll be back. They confront the bad guy in his office, and there's a sneeze from the other room, and there's everyone looks around like, what a suspicious sneeze, because the henchmen are over there, the, the lawyer from Jurassic Park, and another guy yes. are in the other room. We never talked about them. There's, there's henchmen, whatever. They're totally incompetent. Yeah, but not enough to be funny. <laughs> they're just kind of bad in a very dull way. Like they're, not, they're not like the bad guys from Home Alone, where like they're wacky and like hilariously right. bad, and that's what's funny about it, is they keep, they're so bad. It's just like, I don't know, they're just... But anyway, one of them's got a cold, and he sneezes... And the bad guy's like, I mean, never mind that. Like, he acts like, oh, my God, I got to cover up this sneeze. Someone sneezed in the next room. Why is this suspicious? Ooh, that is a good point. Uh, I immediately think, oh, it's just an old, (laughs) it's an old mirror that sounds like it's uh, sneezing, coughing, or talking quietly. No, there. That is easily. You can't, can't get through one episode without a specific reference to the Poochie episode of The Simpsons. No, I can't. Whenever it gets set up in front of the net like that, it's, it's like, gone beyond just Simpsons references to just that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> Literally every episode. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just commenting on it. I'm pointing it out. Well, <laughs> there's no breath to The Simpsons like references anymore. It's only Poochie. <laughs> guilty as charged (laughs) i think you've already explained it i i can't top that there is no reason for the bad guy to cover it up it's an office building the fact that he's acting suspicious yeah there's there's offices next door why is he right he's suddenly acting suspicious no you're right because he told him the high he knows he goes hiding there and then they sneeze um and then later he they hear him sneeze they catch him at the warehouse right that guy who's sick Yes. When he says, stop her, my mom will shoot. And yes. then she shoots. Because they're using, they're trying to destroy the warehouse with them in it with a bulldozer. Well, not a bulldozer. It's a wrecking ball. The wrecking ball. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, Stallone's character is very good at shooting things off of chains. He doesn't shoot anybody, but he shoots multiple things off of chains in this <laughs> yes, movie. he does. That's that, his specialty. That, that is what Joey does best. But anyway, they catch that henchman, and he sneezes, and both Stallone and Estelle Getty are like, we know that sneeze. Like, what? Is, it's a sneeze. 
<laughs> sneezes aren't unique. You can't like identify a sneeze. Everyone's Oh, wait a minute. Are you sure about that? With maybe some exceptions, but it's like it seems like most people sneeze pretty similarly. I you can't dust for sneezes. I think we need to I think we need to work through this. I'll I'll tell you right now, in my house there are absolutely distinct sneezes. Now I happen to live with them, so it's easier for me to identify. Sure. I think a lot of people have a distinct pattern. But do you think after hearing a sneeze twice? Do you Ooh. think that particular sneeze in this movie was distinct enough or you'd be like, I know that sneeze anywhere? I want to say yes, but I can't. It'd be a lie. Okay. It's a moot point anyway because I don't think that lead goes anywhere anyway. They catch no, the guy and throw him in jail and like that's it. But anyway, Pretty much. What's your question? All right, so I'm going to go back to the first heist. All right, so the, the Ving Rhames heist and yes. those Panasonic TVs that were way more than I thought they would be. So the garage that those Panasonic TVs are in, it, it doesn't have a lock on it. Because they just open it right up. Right. Okay. And then so, here's what my real question is. So your answer to, you you noticed that too, right? There's no lock on it. They just open it up to show the TVs. I did notice it, but, you know, you can give the benefit of the doubt that someone unlocked it off screen. All right. Well, you know, then, while Stallone was talking to them, someone went and undid the padlock. So what my, well, I didn't assume that. What my question would be is if Stallone wasn't a cop, wouldn't he be concerned that those guys were cops because they don't seem to need feel the need to lock up their merchandise? They just have it there to open up and show, yep, we got these TVs. Well, <laughs> I don't know enough about sting operations to know what, what, what would be typical. Would cops be the sellers usually in the sting operation like that? Yeah, if it was a sting that they were trying to bring somebody in, yeah, that's what I think. Okay, I guess so. Maybe they should have been more suspicious of him. I, Ving Rhames is very suspicious of Stallone. Yeah, he's, he's on top of it. He, he is going, the best guy, part of this movie. He's, he's, he's immediately he's going like, I think this guy's a cop. And he's 100% right. That's, how, that's why he got away. Is he's ready. <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> Stallone's character in, uh, in Lockup where he's like, you got to get a foot in the aisle, get ready to run at a moment's notice. Ving sure. Rhames is ready to run. <laughs> it's like, I think this guy's a cop. I'm getting out of here as soon as so, possible. All right. Then that makes me think of something. Okay. Is that how Mar- Marcellus Wallace got his start? Sure, maybe. Do you, do you he, think he inherited the criminal empire of TV VCRs? Yes. I, mean, I think that that's Marcellus Wallace. There must have been a couple hundred uh, TVs in there and, and 1100 bucks a pop. <laughs> 1000 bucks a pop. That's a lot of money. Well, I'm sure they're not charging full retail. <laughs> you know, that would be a r- right. rough business model for crooks. You answered, you answered it. You think that they, somebody had already taken the padlock off. I hadn't thought about that. All right. I, I noticed that there was no lock, but... I mean, my thought was just like, do the cops know that this merchandise is there? And like, why not just seize it? I guess they want to catch the guys, but it's like, yeah. seize it first. The guys are still going to show up. Cops should take all the TVs out of there. Then when the bad guys show up, they open the door and it's like, it's empty. And then say, yeah, freeze. You know, I guess maybe the cops don't know it's there. Whatever. It's yeah. not important. All right. The police uh, story in this movie is terrible. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, speaking of the police story being terrible, I have a question about the plot. So, oh, man. Estelle Getty gets the license plate of the killers, which is what gives Stallone's character the lead and why he's able to break the case open. Yes. Where the guy who's actually working the case can't because she's withholding information, <laughs> withholding <laughs> evidence from, yes. from a police officer. Um, that scene actually kind of made me laugh, too, where he, he's interrogating her, and she's just like, I can't remember, I'm old, or whatever. She's, like, playing dumb. And he's, <laughs> that actor's just like, ah! <laughs> Why won't you tell me? He's so frustrated. It was it was at least some kind of like, humor. Like he was, it was a choice, but it seemed a little overacting to me. Oh, it was so much better than the rest of this movie, which is just 
nobody making any choices and just everything playing so middle of the road. I enjoy that guy just like, oh, and she's like, oh, I think it was, uh, you know, you know the kind of vein. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that guy was funny. All right. Speaking of uh, Rob Lowe, it's like, you, you could very easily sympathize with that guy in a similar way that I sympathize with Rob Lowe. Oh, yeah. That, that <laughs> Poor guy. guy. He, he seems like he's in the right. He's trying to work a case. His witness isn't cooperating. His coworker dunks his head in the toilet. <laughs> and then he gets reprimanded for it. <laughs> that poor guy. Anyway, well, it's because his commanding officer is having an inappropriate relationship <laughs> yes. with his uh, uh, subordinate. Yes, absolutely. These are questions that the movie does not want to deal with at all. But anyway, my, my actual question is, Stallone finds the, the guy who owns the van. They find his house through the license plate. And bad guys' goons are already there. How did the bad guys' goons find the house is what I want to know. Ooh. They shot at the van. They killed one guy. They missed the other guy. Yeah, they're looking for that other guy. And then they're at that guy's house trying to find him. How did they find him? <sighs> yeah, because they, they just, I mean, they were random guys that, that ripped him off. It's not like they were business partners or something. And Right. Yeah, because the, the lawyer from Jurassic Park sees Jurassic Park. It's yeah, so true, the guy who gets eaten on the can. Yeah, I know. Um, he see he just happens to come across them. It's like, oh, those, there's our guns. <laughs> He's just like driving around. <laughs> That's how we're introduced to those goons. It's just like, oh, hey, those are, all they have to do is drive around the neighborhood and say the bad guys are in there. <laughs> That's effectively what this is, actually. Yeah, he just looks upon them, but he doesn't know who those guys are. All right, then I have my answer. Okay, they consulted Danny Madigan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they saw the movie the. Gunrunner movie or whatever. Yeah, exactly. No, okay. I, I don't have it. You're you're right. There, there, I don't think that there's a good explanation. Think, do, you, do you have a theory? No. I mean, my only guess would be they have some kind of mole in police who can look up the police, uh, the license plate. Yeah. I mean, that, um, that's made, that's a good guess, but the movie gives you nothing to indicate that. Yeah. We have no idea how they're there, how they found them. Oh. So, anyway. All right. So, I kind of already asked this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Is Estelle Getty's character, Tootie, whatever it is, is she from Earth? Because here's the thing. She doesn't run for cover during a drive-by shooting, and she thinks that her son is still a child, the way she treats him. She washes firearms with yes. soap and water. Mm-hmm. So is she from Earth? Or if if not, where is she from? Because none of the stuff she does makes sense. Are the screenwriters from Earth? <laughs> the question. Have the screenwriters ever experienced human life? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the not right. It's a drive-by shooting, and she's just standing there looking. Ooh, what's that? Right. Come on. Uh, but I mean, you can't really I, answer that one. This was just more frustration. Sure. On my part. What? Uh, what? What other questions can I answer for you? <laughs> so that's the. That's where we're at with this movie. Where your question is: Is this character from Earth? <laughs> what, what, how do I, I think, answer that question? I think it's a fair question. Not that you could actually answer it, but. The way this is written, that's not a real human being. <laughs> Does this character have a brain? If I only had a heart. All right, what do you got? Okay. I have a question about the sequence of events here. All right. And that actually builds off of that scene. She witnesses the murder. Yeah. She just kind of like stands around, almost gets hit by a car. Then she's in the precinct giving her statement about the murder. Okay. She has cookies with her. Did she take the cookies to the gun store? Or did she go home after witnessing a murder, decide to bake some cookies, and then go into the precinct and give everyone cookies? I'm going with the latter. I think she went home. <laughs> no urgency at all. I witnessed a murder. Let me go home and do some baking. <laughs> I'm going to stand by it. Based on the rest of this movie, that's what I think she did. I actually agree. I think that's the only thing. Cause she has, 
That's the logical conclusion. She took a cab to the gun shop. We don't see any cookies there unless they're in her purse or something. Oh, she's I, got the dog I, with her. So I think she went home and baked. I think so too. Um, specifically for the police. Well, I'm gonna have to talk to the police. So let me give them some cookies just to <laughs> butter them up. I guess I don't know. But she's a witness. What does she right. have to butter them up for? Well, they do tell her she can't leave town because she's a witness to a murder. It's like, well, wait, she's a witness. She can call and tell, give her testimony. Yes. She's not a suspect. She can't leave town. You're right. I didn't notice that, but you're right. That doesn't make sense. That's just the screenwriter doesn't want. They want to find Given a reason ex- that she's got to yeah. stay in town. All right. So here's when I, I have a question. When Joe and her have kind of their, their blow up and she's she's going to go back to Jersey. And she heads to the airport and then is on a little, uh, she's on like a cart that they're driving her to her gate. Right. Why does Joe rush to the airport? Here's why I want it. So he doesn't doesn't want her to go, right? He may not want her to go, but it's not like she can't come back. She's not leaving forever. (laughs) She's going back to her own planet because she's. I mean, (laughs) honestly, that the way he approaches it, it it approaches like she's, she's going to die or she's going to another planet. Right. She's going to New Jersey. Just or you get on a plane and fly out to her, right? Yeah, this movie—it's like a scene from other movies that, like, the screenwriters didn't understand why those scenes are in movies. So it's like, oh, we'll do the scene where he chases this person he cares about through the airport and tells her not to leave. But yeah, in this context, you're right. I didn't really think about it much because it's just like it's just such a rote cliched scene it is but i he's mean running it, through the airport after yeah somebody. but it's like over the top that he's got to track her down it's like i don't like, he could just get on a plane and go fly to her or call her right and get her to come back out because she really was, what he's telling her is that i'm you know i'm sorry i don't want you to go i want you to stay right again it's not like you're breaking up I, it just whatever to, to, there is no <laughs> good answer to it there's no reason other than what you said is that it's a trope that they decided that they wanted to stick in this movie and then he goes through all that business and then changes his mind i forget she says something some kind of comment yeah. right because then oh because he he says oh i took your advice and i told her this horrible pablum that you told me about holding on to people that you love and for whatever reason that made her fall in love with me again the stupid thing that i said to her and also okay I didn't have this question, but now that I'm thinking through it. You want to pose it? I want to pose it. Was that your last one, or do you have more? I got one more after Okay, this. I'll go, and then you can do your last one. All because right. his mother is interfering in his love life. His mother filled this, uh, whatever her name is, her office with roses. Yes. With flowers or whatever it was. <laughs> I can't even imagine how much that cost, by the way. No, and also the idea that they're trying to keep their relationship secret because <laughs> she's his boss. And then he shows up at the precinct with a witness in tow, she doesn't care about the witness. She goes, oh, I, I, I'm so happy you brought me flowers. You really do care. And he goes, oh, that was my mother did that. She punches him. Punches him saying, oh, how, you know, like, I thought I you cared. forgot about that. So not only is it an inappropriate relationship, <laughs> probably sexual harassment, mm-hmm. she assaults him. Yeah. She's a bad boss. <laughs> All up and down, back and forth. She punishes a guy for getting a swirly. She <laughs> she rewards Stallone right. for First. stealing other people's cases. Um, she punches Stallone because she's upset that he didn't actually give her all those flowers. Because it wasn't actually his idea. It was his mother's idea. And then later, he shows up and he says, like, oh, I, you know, I just realized that you know, I need to hold on tight to the people that I care about. And, you know, I just can't let you go. And she's like, oh, it's the, she says like, it's just the most romantic thing anyone's ever said to me. I'm like, that was, that was awful. <laughs> that thing that he said was so stupid. And then he goes, well, actually, I didn't say it. My mother said it. And she goes, oh, that's even better. Whatever she says, it's like, well, wait a minute. 
He was not being genuine about the flowers. You punched him because the flowers are from his mother. <laughs> but the sentiment, like the thing that he's he's expressing his love for you, and then he admits, like, I didn't actually think of this as my mother. And she's like, that's right. fine. I still love you. It's like, wait, shouldn't you be punching him again? He's doing the same thing again, but this time it's okay. It's, it's better. It seems pretty consistent in terms of how she should react. Yeah, why is this okay? And the other's not. And then he chases his mother down the airport, and she gets mad at him for not proposing in the moment. It's like, wait, they were just getting back together from a breakup. Right. And he's supposed to, and he didn't expect this was going to happen where she was even going to be there. He was just in the office sulking. She shows up. He expresses his mother's thoughts. She takes him back. How could he have proposed? He didn't even know she was going to be there. So for his mother to get upset about that, <laughs> you're right. Movie's <laughs> bonkers. All right, so I've got a question. My last one is in the last scene. Okay. All right, so they're at this airport. <laughs> you, <laughs> Go ahead, but yeah. I, I, you've got a guy that allegedly is on America's Most Wanted. Yes. Why would he bring a gun to an airport? For the joke. Because they had, to, they had to make it so that... Stallone was justified in tackling him or whatever. You're right. I mean, that's the reason why. But talk about incredibly poor writing. Just standing around the terminal looking shifty. <laughs> it's bad enough. He, I mean, you know, I mean, even back then, there were metal detectors, right? I mean, you don't have what you have at the TSA today. He's on America's Most Wanted. Yeah. He was trying to escape the country, I guess. He's like, oh, man, they aired that America's Most Wanted. I got to get okay, out of Okay, escape the country? Why do you have a gun? I know. To shoot his way onto the plane, I guess. He's like in a trench coat. He's like the most like cliched like tweaker criminal. He looks like an enemy from Narc, the game <laughs> Narc. Just right. standing there like, ah, ah. and then Stallone jumped on him and said, "You are busted." It's essentially Narc. Uh, all right, so at least I could tell as soon as I started saying it, you knew exactly where I was going. Yeah, well, <laughs> that scene is so bizarre. What a bizarre way to end your movie to just have this unrelated criminal be there and it's just there for the joke at the end i just remembered why i saw him in america's most wanted i remember what he did he killed his mother and then stallone just looks at the camera and makes like a yeah it's literally like an ending like end of movie freeze frame on stallone making a weird smile and it's an an ambiguous moment because like is he laughing like oh my mom is so adorable or is he smiling like yeah i can relate to someone wanting to kill his mother (laughs) You know, I don't know. Again, everything is ambiguous. The movie can't commit to a joke. And so I don't know if that ending is one or the other. This oh. movie is neither fish nor fowl. And that's the problem with it is it's just like, I don't know where the humor is coming from. And that's a perfect example. Agreed. Ending on a weird freeze frame. And I think that's a good way to end the little details and move on to the Silk Cozart corner. All right, let's move on to the Silk Cozart corner. Both of y'all. Yes, y'all. Go back to <laughs> So this is the segment where I take a deep dive into some tangential piece of internet trivia that the movie sparked my interest. I can't even imagine what you came up with for this one. <laughs> well, it has nothing to do with the content of the film because the contents of the film are basically so there, there's nothing there. Yeah, okay. It's, the, it's your water sandwich to a T. All right. So here's what I did. I was curious about, because we've talked about in the past how we like a good exclamation point in a movie title. <laughs> yes. Um, like Hot Shots and like Top Secret, stuff like that. The Informant. Yep. But this is the rarer case of an exclamation point in the middle of a title. Stop! Exclamation point, or my mom will shoot. Right? So I, th- I can't imagine there have been any others. I wanted to see how many movies have an exclamation point somewhere in the title that's not at the end. Okay. It may also have an exclamation point at the end. But there's, it could be two or more. Exactly. It could okay. be two or more. So 
I don't know if you want to guess. I'd be very impressed if you could even think of one because they're all. So I mean, you'll you'll have heard of some of these. You'll have not heard of some of these. All right, can, I'm just going to guess a number. I actually can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm going to guess a number. All right, before you guess a number, I'm going to give you some ground rules of just like things I ruled out. Okay. Like Three Amigos has an upside down exclamation point at the beginning. Doesn't count. It's okay. Spanish grammar. Movies that are foreign language originally and were translated. Okay. There were a couple of those, but it's like the original language didn't have an explanation in the middle. And then there was one I wasn't sure about. There's a movie called The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. And it ends with exclamation point, exclamation point, question mark. I'm going, eh, it's technically not at the end, but it's whatever. It's, it's punctuation. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So those are the ground rules. Is those okay. are disqualified. All right. Total, total movies. Oh, and documentaries are disqualified. Because okay. there were a lot of documentaries where it was just like, blank, the story of blank. You yeah. know, there's a lot of those. So right. I didn't count those. So major motion picture. Yes, uh, fictional fiction. Hollywood films with right. an exclamation point somewhere in the middle of the title. I'm going to guess 28. That's not too far off. There are 18. Okay. Oh, man. You know, my first, I, my first number in my head was 17. <laughs> okay. And then I'm like, that sounds like, because I'm just thinking of how many movies there have been in, you know, 100 plus years. Yeah. And I went back as far as I could. I basically yeah. just scoured through IMDb. All right. 17 would have been a great, it would have been the closest to that going you over. You scoured through, how did, did you just do a search? There's a list on IMDb of, uh, it filters for titles with, or with, something. with an exclamation point. Gotcha. I just scrolled through, I, oh. I sorted by like most popular and I sorted through until I got <laughs> down to like the real dregs. I'm going like, okay, this is, these are like TV movies yeah. and like, all right. I was getting into stuff. It's like, I've, I've, I've got a definitive list. I feel pretty confident. All right. 18. Yes. And you know, I, you know how much I like cataloging and categorizing things. So I, ca- I categorize these into five different groups. So the first group is repetition. Okay. So Torah, Torah, Torah. Ah. All three exclamation points. I, I haven't seen that movie, but I know of it. I've only seen one movie on this entire list. So okay. Just, Was Torah, Torah, Torah No, it? I've not seen Torah, Torah, Torah. Uh, okay. Girls, 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 which is a 1962 Elvis Presley movie. I read this, the summary. He plays a Hawaiian fisherman who's trying to raise enough money to buy a boat. <laughs> and I guess he sings and dances and tries to raise money. Yeah. Whatever. And then Promises, Promises, 1963. It's a Jane Mansfield movie, and it has the distinction of being the first Hollywood film after they ended the Hayes Code. The, 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 no, I don't the, know the, what's the, What do you call it? God, what's the word I'm looking for? Censorship. Oh, okay. The censorship code of like the 40s, 50s, 60s. This is the first Hollywood movie after the Hayes Code ended to feature nudity by a major Hollywood actress. Oh. Jane Mansfield, 1963, which is earlier than I would have thought. That what was happened. the title? Promises, Promises. Oh, okay. Exclamation points for both. Next, I have awkwardly named sequels. Oh, God, Book Two. Oh, God, You Devil. And uh, you're looking like those, you've never heard of those no, movies. No, wait, are those George Burns George movies? Burns, yes. Yeah, I've heard of some of these movies. I should have thought more about this. I would have never in a million years thought of Oh, God, Oh, God, exclamation point, I book two. Is Greg Kinnear in one of those? No, that would have been way too early to, for Greg Kinnear to be in a movie. I feel like there was a remake with Greg Kinnear of something like that. That's possible, but uh, right. no, John Denver was in the first one, who's Greg Kinnear-esque, I think. So Yeah, maybe I'm just confusing it. Yeah, maybe. All right. And then finally, Hoodwinked 2, exclamation point, T-O-O, Hood versus Evil. Yeah, I've seen the first Hoodwinked. I don't think we saw that, the second one. I, it didn't look like it did well at all. No. Like, I didn't even know there was a second Hoodwinked. The first one wasn't that great, actually. All right, next is Awkwardly Named Adaptations. So we've got Hey Arnold, the movie. And that's got an exclamation point and then a colon, okay. which is I don't think you should be able to do. Next is Reno 911, Miami. Ah, uh, yeah. I've never seen a single episode of Reno 911, I don't think. 
Uh, and then Teen Titans Go to the movies. That's <laughs> recent. And that's, actually, I bet you my kids probably still want to see that. We didn't see that it in is theaters. still in theaters as of this recording. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's surprising. Um, when I searched and I Googled it, it gave me Showtime. So oh, it's definitely right. showing somewhere. Maybe maybe it was like giving me Wisconsin or something. I didn't actually yeah. look. All right. Uh, okay. Then the I've the non-subtitle subtitles. So basically these are movies that – these are technically subtitles, but the movie – you would never know what the movie is without the subtitles. First, there's It – the Terror from Beyond Space. We're back. A dinosaur story. <laughs> I'd never heard of that, but apparently it was a Steven Spielberg produced animated movie about dinosaurs really? coming, coming back to the modern day or whatever. Uh, okay, next is Goal. The Dream Begins. That's 2005. I'd never heard of it either. Wow. And then Repo. The Genetic Opera. What? That's a movie from 2008. Only reason why I've heard of that movie it says less about me and more about the movie. I was invited to the premiere of that movie. What? Because this was the year when I was doing my DVD <laughs> reviews. And so Did there were a go? handful. No. It was a very, very low budget, like, B movie. It's like a jokey opera, like horror opera or whatever. You weren't the least bit intrigued to go to a movie premiere. No. Well, I, I think by the time I was phasing out of that whole thing anyway. Oh, all right. My, you know, I criticism gone. career... What was I going to do? I wasn't going to write a story about it, so why, why would I even go? But I was invited. You then would have had material to talk about on this podcast. Well, I blew it, I guess. Oh, well. I was never interested in making that a career anyway, so it's like, what I just, if, if that was a thing I, I was interested in doing as a career, I definitely would have gone. All right. But it's like, I'm going to drive all the way in the city. and It only had theatrical releases in like five cities, and none of them were L.A. or New York. It was like Chicago and Dallas. It was like a weird hmm. release. All right. To this day, I've never seen that movie. Okay. Uh, And then finally, the last category here is the full sentence. So there's faster pussycat, kill, kill. Uh, That's the only movie in this list I've seen. I don't even know anything about it. It's a Russ Meyer movie. It's I barely remember anything about it. Okay. It's like it's like any you know exploitation movie from the period where there's five minutes of you know girls half naked shooting guns, and then the rest of the movie is super boring. (laughs) You know, it's just (laughs) that's all those movies. Um, but yeah, I, I've seen it. I barely remember anything about it. All right. Uh, next is, oh, what a lovely war. <laughs> war. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. This movie I actually kind of want to see. It was directed by Richard Attenborough. Speaking of Jurassic Park, it's got like every British actor you've ever heard of who was working in the 60s and 70s. Lawrence Olivier's in it. Ian Holmes in it. Like a bunch of people. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave, I think, is in it. This is like crazy cast. Movie I never heard of. Okay, we're getting into the 90s now, so you'll know this one. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Julie oh, Newmar. Where is the exclamation point? Thank, after everything. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Oh, Julie yeah. Newmar. Man. So there you go. Never seen that. I've never, I've never seen it, but mo- I've heard of more of these than I, I would have thought. Yeah. That's a movie that was like a big deal at the time, and I don't know if anyone even remembers it. It's just like, eh. It was, but I don't remember why it was a big deal. Well, groundbreaking. It was like, uh, you know, it was about cross-dressers or whatever. You know, oh, yeah, Whatever you call them. Yeah, I, re- I remember it getting praised at the time, but yeah. I, I, whatever. <laughs> this next one, I think, is maybe less, uh, is, is going to get less praise for being progressive as, as Tu Wong Fu. Okay. It's a movie called Oi Vey, My Son is Gay. I, that's a Two, movie? 2009, that movie came out. What? Yeah. Written by our old friend, director of Over the Top, Menachem Golan. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was writing under a pseudonym. That's what, that's what IMDb says. Written by wow. Menachem Golan, 2009. Oy vey, my son is gay. Uh, don't meet me halfway on that one. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> of all the movies on this list, 
Wow. It's like that seems the least interesting of all. Especially to me. 2009. That, if you told me that, I would have guessed that was like 1969. I know, exactly. Um, I mean, who knows what the contents of the movie are, but it's like. It could be parody. <laughs> who knows, yeah, I guess. Who yeah. knows. But calling your movie that in 2009 seems pretty bizarre. Yes. Uh, and then finally, stop or my mom will shoot. So there's your 18 movies. Wow. With an exclamation point in the middle. Uh, That's all I had for the segment. It's today. interesting if this. Do you think that Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is the worst of all of those movies? I know you haven't seen them, so it's impossible to answer. But yeah, pro- probably. Other than maybe the one that you got invited to the premiere. <laughs> I, I should probably see that at some point to see what I missed. I know for sure that was. I was getting emails about that movie. I'm like 95 percent sure I was invited to the premiere. Right. Let me back off a little bit. My memory is not the best. But. That's all right. Well, that. Uh, that was an interesting rabbit hole that we went down to uh, wrap up the Silk Cozart corner. <laughs> it was as interesting as, as this movie. So. <laughs> Touche. It was appropriate. All right. Body so, count? Now while we're here. All right. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one that we killed 119. This was very easy to do. Yep. Zero. So a bunch <laughs> Two of like, in the movie to be Yeah, two clear. in the movie. One guy gets dropped out of a window, and one guy gets uh, killed. Oh, the lawyer from Jurassic Park. No one cares about his death. <laughs> no one's like, hey, what happened to that guy? You're wanted for the murder of the, of the lawyer from Jurassic Park. He's like the opposite of the Zeus of the movie. What would be like the inverse of the Zeus of the movie? Oh, it's the, the Jupiter, because after... <laughs> I had asked uh, after Escape Plan 2, oh, what, what would be the anti-Zeus? What, who is the Roman Zeus? And it's Jupiter. Right, so maybe so, he's the Jupiter. So he might be the Jupiter of this movie. You're I mean, right. The bad guy did put him in orbit. Send him <laughs> out of a window. Him out the window and you're right. Nobody cares. There's so many things we didn't talk about, and that's one of them. We're just like that guy is so dumb. <laughs> he goes and leans out the window. Yeah. Why? Well, why is he leaning out the window? But also the villains. Like, I got a great scheme for you. All right. The, the cops are closing in. Suicide note. The cops are closing in. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to sign suicide notes, and then we're going to disappear, and we're going to go to whatever, South America, and well, we're going like, to live like Han- kings. Yeah, it's the Hans Gruber approach. Yeah, but Hans Gruber was, he set off an explosion. The whole idea was to <laughs> claim that he was incinerated. What's right. their story? That they, they, signed, they signed suicide notes. And then they just disappeared? Like how? <laughs> they're not leaving any, any evidence. They're wanted criminals. At this point, everyone knows that they, <laughs> what they did. So who's going to be fooled by this? And especially, why would this henchman be fooled by this? Like, well, that seems like a good plan. I think he even says, like, that's a great idea, boss. It's like, no, it's not. It's not a great idea. It's obviously a trick to get you to sign your suicide note so that he could kill you and claim that it was a suicide. And also, why at this point, why is the bad guy even trying to make it look like a suicide when he's so obviously guilty of all his other crimes? I guess murder is a bigger deal than, you know, right. fraud and, you know, gun running or whatever. But still. It <sighs> seems so ridiculous. It's like, yeah, sure, I'll sign this. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly sign this suicide note and then stick my head out of a window. Nothing what a moron. bad could come of this. As dumb as the sneezing guy seems, the lawyer from Jurassic Park, <laughs> ten times dumber just for signing that suicide note and then hanging out of a window. Nothing bad can happen here. Isn't it great, though, that we just refer to him as the lawyer from Jurassic oh, yeah. Park? I don't know his character's name here. I don't know the character. I think the actor is Michael Ferrero, is who I think. Yes. Yes. Um, so, so nobody, and, none for, for Stallone, but two overall. Yeah, and we're comparing Stallone's average body count to Arnold Schwarzenegger's, who had an average body count of 14.76. Uh, Stallone now is st- he's still sitting at 225 and another goose egg. Gotta get a Rambo. I think he's had more movies. We've covered more movies where he kills nobody than where he kills somebody. Yeah. He's got so many, which I guess makes sense because he did more movies like this than Arnold did. Yeah. Different body of work. Did Arnold kill anybody in Kindergarten Cop? I know there were bodies. 
I'm not sure if he actually pulled the trigger on anybody. He might not have. He does the I'm the party poopa, but nobody. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he does. We have to go back and check. Well, who gets crisp? Uh, his partner, right? Doesn't she show up? No, she kills his mother, Crisp's mother. She gets hit with a car, and then she has some kind of one-liner about, like, you're not yeah. so tough without your car, or whatever she says. I can't remember who gets crisp in that. Now. Oh, the ferret gets crisp. The, <laughs> the ferret takes out crisp, right? No, it distracts crisp, and then I think that distraction is enough where I oh, think Kimball does. Yeah, Kimball does kill him. You're yeah. right. That's exactly what happens. But it's a distraction. I like the, that actually <laughs> would be a great episode title. The ferret killed crisp. Well, there was some kind of intrigue with the ferret, right? Weren't some kids doing something? I don't even remember. It's it been a long matter. time. Yeah. Anyway, so 225 averaged across 21 movies. So Stallone now has an average body count of 10.71 per movie. I don't want him to dip down into single digits. It's, it's, it's a danger. Uh, it's getting close. It's Rocky Three is next, and he's not going to kill anybody there. Well, so, so what that tells me is you're picking Rambo for when we come out after uh, Rocky Three. Not necessarily. I'm not going to use the body count. By the end of the season, it's all going to even out because we're definitely going to have to do Rambo before the season's up. Yeah. So, all uh, right. Well, know. if you don't want him to dip down to single digits, you may have to pull that card. I have to figure out something. In the end, it's not going to matter until, until we, it's all we have the, to- yeah, the total yeah right. the movie. All, all right. right, so it's time for the Wrecking Crew Award. Sure, let's do it. Outstanding achievement here. The field of... Explosion! Big post and explosion. All right, I'm very excited about this. This is probably the thing I'm most excited about. <laughs> really? Yeah, and I, I hope... Uh, I'm glad some, somebody's excited about something in this I episode. Am. I'm, I'm I feel a, like apologizing for this episode, but no. we've been doing that a lot. No, 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 no. I don't... I, <laughs> No, this episode has been the most ramshackle since we've started doing Stallone. I think. All right. Well, what I'm not blaming us. I, I, it's, we're, it's understandable. Yeah, a lot of the times it's the material we have to work with. But this, I'm very excited about the Wrecking Crew. Award. Right, good. Would you like to go first? However, uh, sure. If you have some kind of trick up your sleeve, I don't know if it's a trick. Uh, I'm going to give it to Estelle Getty. She shoots the bad guy at the end. Doesn't kill him, but shoots him. Okay. And then Stallone's like, you shot him. And she's like, no shit. It's like, at least she gets the humor of an old lady swearing is... Uh, Does that make you laugh? I mean, it makes me laugh at how lame it is. Okay. This movie is so lame. And that's, you know what? She saved the day at the end. She stopped the bad guy. All right. She got herself caught. And she didn't, you know, she shouldn't have been there in the first place. So I guess all she did was dig herself out of the hole she dug for herself. But whatever. All right. Well... I had a feeling that you might actually have come up with what I did for the Wrecking Crew Award, so I'm I'm feeling good that I came up with this on my own. <laughs> to be I, honest, I didn't put much thought into it, oh. so I'm... All right. I am giving the Wrecking Crew Award in this to Arnold Schwarzenegger for dumping this movie on <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> well done. You gonna meet me halfway no, on that, that one? That, that, that is very good. <laughs> I'll give you it. If anybody deserves the award, it is Arnold. No, that was well played, sir. No. Well played. That's the best choice. We, <laughs> I think that's that's very very good choice. All right, so then uh, we've got to wrap it up here with the Rocky rating. All right, let's wrap it up. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, no, no you don't understand. He was bad mouthing my film. I got to imagine we agree on. Well, actually, I don't know. We've disagreed on this sometimes when I thought we would be absolutely 100% The alive. way you were talking at the beginning of this episode, I thought maybe you would kick it up a little bit. But this, this is the segment where we rate uh, the movie using our scale of Rocky opponents from... Well, I'm not going to say what you usually say. I was about to just parrot what you always go from Spider-Rico to Apollo Creed. Because that's what it is. But no, it's, it's, it's a relatively arbitrary scale. But again, 
whatever. It's a Spider Rico. This is a Spider Rico. This is absolutely a Spider Rico. Yeah. And that's just... You were kind of giving it a little bit of credit. Like, oh, it wasn't so bad. I thought well, you were going to maybe go above Spider Rico. Maybe what I, sh- I should have been more specific is to say that I was expecting an absolute just train wreck. And it's not. It's just, it's not a good movie. It exists. But it's not... It's nondescript. It's a bunch of jokes that never really play out, so it's not even fun bad. I, I wanted it to maybe be able to get where it was borderline that I could move it up to Ivan Drago, but you just can't. Yeah, it's not unwatchable. Right. It's, it's not just painful bland. to watch. Yeah. No. I mean, compare this to Junior. Oh, this is this is more watchable than Junior. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, without a doubt. Junior is just like, it's oh. so difficult to watch. It's just painfully unfunny it really is whereas this is just like this is huh? unfunny but not painful yeah it's kind of <laughs> like what <laughs> going, what why is that funny or why it, did somebody it, think that was funny because it's not funny but why did somebody think when they wrote it was that funny right whereas junior you're going like nothing Ouch. is funny here no nothing even resembles a joke in junior no here it's just like that wasn't funny <laughs> but you know there are still a few scenes i i, I enjoyed that dream sequence <laughs> i still think that's a funny moment you always have way more of a silver lining on these than I do. I, I can I can compartmentalize and I can be like, I hate this movie, but I like this scene or vice versa. Mm. Like, you know, I think that gets me in trouble sometimes because even for movies that I like, I find myself criticizing them a lot because it's like, I didn't like that scene. I didn't like that line, whatever. Uh, when we were talking about Gardens of the Galaxy and I was criticizing that movie a lot. Rocky too, I came in with a lot of criticisms, even though I like both those movies a lot. And, you know, this is just the reverse. This movie is awful. I, I was half kidding when I said I don't think it's the worst movie of the season. I mean, maybe it is. I had to really think about it, whether this is worse than Escape Plan 2. But, you know, there are still a handful of jokes. I'll be back joke I thought was kind of funny. Uh, not me. You didn't think it was funny where she's like, oh, that's the thing that cops say. He's like, no, Terminators say that. It felt, that like, nice... it was, it felt like he was really trying to shoehorn in. I don't know. That was a nice reference. All right. He didn't shoehorn in a Rambo reference this time, no, which is there, what he usually does. You're right. There was none none for John Rambo. This is a tip of a hat to his rival. It wasn't you know, a pat on the back for himself, which is what he tends to <laughs> he, do. He should have flipped him the bird instead for dumping this movie on him. Sure, yeah. Maybe that was the intent there. Who knows? Uh, Might have been. So that's uh, that was a rough show, but that's okay because it was a rough movie. And uh, we've got things to look forward to because I know you've really been looking forward to getting to Rocky Three. I've been looking forward to getting to any Rocky movie. That's I mean, true. Every time we get to a Rocky, it's a nice breath of fresh air. I mean, this half a season in particular has been rough. <laughs> yeah, you're blaming me for all my picks. Yes. Well, three out of the five picks for you, and <laughs> I think I, I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy, and I enjoyed Lockup. I think the three worst movies we've covered this season were all picked. These are just facts. You picked it's all fact. three of my it's least fact. favorite movies. It's fact. I can't Tango and Cash it. is fine. It, I think yeah. Tango and Cash, there's enough that it's fine. And in my defense, Escape Plan 2, I had no idea. Sure. But I also, as I said, I didn't want to pay for that movie, and I was afraid it would disappear from Prime. And I think that was actually a good strategy, that we didn't have to pay for that. How about that? Okay, fine. Will you meet me halfway on that at <laughs> no, least? No, because I don't think that movie's ever coming off Prime. That movie is on Prime permanently. <laughs> don't you think at some point Amazon would be embarrassed? And take no, it people off? will forget that movie even exists. Like In 10 years, people will be like, oh, this should have come off five years ago, but we forgot to take it off because who cares about Escape Plan 2? Uh, I, I, I looked into I, it more closely, and what happened is he actually got laid off five years ago, but nobody <laughs> about to talk to him Milton about in it. office space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, that was what you were actually referencing. Yeah, it's I, okay. I, I missed it. No, I think when when we're done with this whole Stallone experiment and we're ranking all of the Stallone movies, I would not be surprised if 
Stop My Mom Will Shoot and Escape Plan 2 are the bottom two movies. And we had them almost back to back. Two episodes apart, we had these two awful movies. And it's, it's tough. I mean, I think the cumulative effect was not helping. All right. But here's the thing. We've got something to look forward to. Rocky 3 is coming up. Yes. And I'm looking forward to it. I will say... Is it your favorite Rocky movie? No, it's the opposite, actually. That's the thing I was going to say. Oh. I don't know. I mean, you've seen Rocky 3. I'd be curious to yeah, get I, your impression before I, we get I to remember it. liking it. It's been a long time since I've seen Rocky 3. Okay. I've always been the opinion. It's, uh, it's always been on the low end of, of oh. my Rocky rankings. I like every Rocky movie, so I'm not saying that I don't like it. I like it. But there were times in my life where I, I would have put it last. I would wow. have put it below Rocky Five. Well, this would be an interesting twist to see if I'm the one that's defending Rocky Three the way you were Rocky Two. Maybe. Well, I mean, my opinions come back up. Um, I said in the Rocky Two episode that the last hour of Rocky Two and the first hour of Rocky Three might be my favorite stretch of Rocky movie. Okay. Um, but in general, I'm I lose interest in near the end. So we'll see if that holds up. But look, it's a Rocky movie, and I'm just I, I'm glad we're getting to another Rocky movie. <sighs> Right. The Oasis in the Desert is here. So Rocky 3 will be the next episode. Yeah. Tune in then. If you're listening to this, <laughs> you better tune into Rocky 3. <laughs> if you've gotten to the end of this episode, you're a real fan of our podcast. So believe me, everyone listening to this is going to listen to Rocky 3, I would assume. Because boy, oh boy, this might be the absolute dregs. It's too bad podcasts, like, you know, SoundCloud doesn't give, like, detailed stats of, like, when people stop listening. Because how could they? Right. But it's like... Whatever the individual moments, like, what is the minute of which podcast that had the least people listening? It might be right now. We can say anything. No one's <laughs> listening to this part of this podcast. This uh, is the last I, two minutes of the Stop and Memo Shoot episode. Literally no one's listening to this, so... If you are listening, please let us know at Arms Race <laughs> yes. Podcast on Twitter because I'd like to know what you think of Kevin's thought of you. That the fact that you're still listening and we can say anything. And if you're listening to this, please give us a review because for <laughs> sure you like this podcast if you're listening right now. Touche. Nobody who dislikes this podcast is listening. They've all gone away by now. We can't beat that. We'll be <laughs> back with Rocky 3. I've tried to walk away